Welcome back, everybody, uh, to another episode of Off the Top. Today, we are going to be talking about some really new and vibrant and growing things. Uh, and the topic is going to be artificial intelligence. So if you're unaware of what artificial intelligence is, we're going to start with a baseline definition. That way you have a general idea of what it is. So the definition of artificial intelligence is the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, and translation between languages. And so with uh, artificial intelligence in itself, the main tool or use for it is to make processes or activities possibly more animated or automated and as well uh, easier for the end user or even the applicator to go throughout that process. Yeah, so with like being said, it's very new and we think we know a lot, but there's so much unknown about it that to some people it is very frightening or scary. And on the other side, there's people who are completely invested in developing and working on the best solution or the next thing for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with anything that's going to kind of have a paradigm shift or even um, some sort of large scale effect on a lot of people, there's going to be some unrest or nervousness just because of the fear of unknown. But with what is coming and the advancements in this technology and in this field, um, regardless of if this shift is happening it, when it's going to happen, because uh, it will, it I think will be a overall, at least for my foreseeable future, uh, benefit. Yeah, I agree. What do you see being kind of the first shift in the near future? Uh, that has to do with artificial intelligence. That's a good question. I think that the first shift that we'll see as like in everyday life well, I mean, I guess we've already seen some changes, like um, as far as Amazon's warehouse, what, they, what their warehouse is built off of is an artificial intelligence, like where things are placed is built by an artificial intelligence like system. But other than that, I mean, the, the, I mean, the most applicable place, applicable place would be your smartphone, the thing you use every day. Um, more and more uh, companies as far as like Google and Apple and Samsung and LG are using artificial intelligence to augment your experience on your phone, whether it be they're suggesting news articles that they, through data through you, have said this person would have an affinity for, or in Google's case, whether it be they're listening to, let's say, a song and through an artificial intelligence network and not going out into the web at all or to some server, they can tell you what kind of song that is or what song title. Yeah, I think that's a good baseline and a good demonstration of how we do see and that it is around at this moment. And I think it plays off the role, too, that they're really in our future is two doors and each are equally unknown is that eventually in time that you hit a door, you open a door and there's no progress. Like we just stop innovating and our technology stops for some reason because we're afraid of the unknown 
or we go through the second door, which most likely will happen is we start building intelligent machines and building on what we have and continuing to build that to the best of our ability. And I think you've seen that, like you said, with iPhones, like Siri, when it first came out was all right. It wasn't anything spectacular, but now you see all the major phone um, holding companies introducing some sort of assistant and each one's becoming more and more advanced and it's kind of slowly adjusting ourselves to the use of AI in um, different facets of life. Yeah. And I think it would, it's one of those things where, um, and I, I feel like I have a different, I think that regardless of what happens, improvements will be made regardless of if, and I think maybe even to the detriment, I mean, you have CEOs and big people with some clout talking about how AI um, will enslave the human race and some of the more like salacious or, oh my gosh, she said that type things. But I think it'll be a thing of we, we will start, we will create until maybe we shouldn't have, or we will hit a barrier of like, all right, we don't understand how to do this yet, but eventually we'll get there, yeah. you know? And I think too, one of the, one of the things you have to look on is when you're looking to the future, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now may seem just terrible or crazy. Like an example is um, Socrates, um, the ancient Greek. He wasn't a fan of writing. He always kept a mental note of everything he did and thought writing would kind of confuse or um, lead to some for forgetfulness in the process where you just write it down rather than mentally holding it. And it turns out writing is a huge step towards uh, modernization and communicating. And I think that's the same for AIs. Like you're looking at it now as in, oh, they're robots, but really maybe way down the line. But right now the use of AI is um, kind of internal where you don't have these giant robots yet. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it will happen. But I think it's something that you have to be open to because uh, we both can agree it's going to happen. It's going to come its way. Um, it's the way everything's moving. And I think it's better to adapt early than to adapt too late and be in trouble. Yeah. I mean, and with anything new, there's going to be some nervousness just because the, like I mentioned before, the fear of the unknown is a prevalent thing. And yeah, you're right. We don't have these robots that are walking around that get groceries and you'd say, hold the door for, then you don't know is an actual machine that looks like a human. But Right now, we do have things like um, like machines or artificial intelligence uh, computers that can do some very sophisticated things. For instance, like the AlphaGo uh, computer that, well, now it's AlphaGo Zero, but AlphaGo, I'll give you a little history. AlphaGo was a DeepMind project, and DeepMind is owned by Google, that created a network of to play the game Go. And if you don't know what the game Go is, it's a really old, like, Chinese game. And think about it as, like, there's just a whole bunch of, like, little squares on this board. And you place a piece where the squares intersect. And the whole premise of the game is to encompass your opponent's pieces. So you put a piece down each play. And eventually, when the game ends is when the two people decide that there's no more moves that they can make to 
progress themselves. But anyway, so this game um, is really interesting in the fact that nobody thought it would be touched for a long time just because of the enumerate amount of moves that could be made. Um, specifically, there's 10 to the power of 171 moves. So if you can kind of visualize that, just put 171 zeros after 10, and that's how many moves. Yeah, exactly. So usually what would happen is uh, what we normally do, like Deep Blue, the the artificial IBM's artificial intelligence that beat Bobby Fischer in chess, I think it was Bobby Fischer, it just used a brute force technique, which means that it would go through all down the line. They would look at every move and decide which one's the best move. But obviously when you're thinking of the how immense that processing power would be to calculate 10 to the power of 171 moves, that's, you know, the diminishing margin returns, you're going to be there for more than the, the person you're playing's lifetime. You know, I think it would be a compliment if I was a human being and they're like, hey, we need to test out this technology. Uh, you're really good. Um, like borderline, really, really good. So we're going to have you sit down and play our machine real quick. And, uh, you know, we're still working on it. So there's a, a chance you'll win. But I couldn't, on the same side, I would hate to lose by like someone I couldn't just talk smack to. Like I can't just yell at a piece of software or like a machine that like I have to, I have to just take it on my chest. Like, ah. I lost. Yeah, I, you're right. It would be a huge compliment because, I mean, they're not going to just challenge, you know, Joe from the park <laughs> yeah. and go. Yeah. Uh, but also, that's actually a really good point you brought up. So I kind of described to you AlphaGo and it beat the world's best Go player. Um, they made AlphaGo like a version two um, or an Im- improved upon version of AlphaGo and it's called AlphaGo Zero. And instead of challenging actual humans like the world's best humans alpha zero trained and has been playing against itself and so there's no more like hey you're the world's best human being at this it's like uh, this computer has is going to get more out of playing itself than it is or more of a challenge playing itself than playing you yeah i think um elon musk talked on that uh he's founder of tesla and many corporations but um, he basically came out and said that humans are limited to the speed that they transmit data. And then further, um, another research said electronic circuits run 1 million times faster than biochemical reactions. So if you had set up a software and had to do a certain amount of processes, it's going to do it a million times faster than the human brain and biochemical reactions. So in one week is equivalent to about 20,000 years of information. So if by now, you don't really comprehend the strength of, you know, machines and our artificial intelligence. That shows a huge margin of significance that they're able to process information and find new things a lot quicker than the human brain um, is possible to do because there's going to be a limit on the human brain and what they're processing. Absolutely. Uh, that is something that is um, such a powerful, like, thought that I feel like it's hard to ignore it. And two, to add on to that point, you got to think this computer, your computer boots up and will do its like do its job every single time as just about almost a, like perfect imitations of or iterations of what it did last. 
a human brain, uh, let's say I tell you to do this math test in the morning and you do it and you're feeling good, you just ate breakfast. The next morning, if I tell you to do the same math test, you didn't sleep well, uh, you didn't have your breakfast. I mean, there's externalities with the human brain that affect its performance and that isn't seen with computers. Yeah. And I think further on that, like the human brain saying, you know, personally, you wake up at 5am and you aren't feeling it and you create an emotion or a mood that alters the rest of your day and your decision making. Like I'm not going to talk to Jim at the office, um, something along those lines. But in the terms of AI at the moment, it's going to be consistent. Like you're saying, it's always going to deliver the same results or it's always going to seek the more efficient way to find those results if it hasn't found it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, some people will say that there are things that are lost in the nuance that the human brain can account for. But uh, I found this really piece of uh, or really interesting piece of information that I think kind of paints a picture of a kind of a situation where AI is vastly superior than a human could be or is right now. So in the study of optometry, um, this experiment is ran with these optometrists, basically that uh, they were giving a picture of an eye and asked to diagnose it. And so 60% of these optometrists agreed with the diagnosis they gave. So basically there is 40% of them that gave a different diagnosis and then 60 of them gave the same diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so that's, there's a divergence there for sure. And something that has been a science, you hope that it would be a lot slimmer margin, but even to add on to that, even more interestingly, um, when the optometrists were given the same picture that they earlier diagnosed later in the future, they didn't have a perfect rate of diagnosing the same diagnosis. So it's like uh, these guys gave a diagnosis and then down the line, they contradicted themselves on the same piece of information. So you can see that with something like that, uh, AI, which is very consistent and would have, I mean, if you have the properly trained network, you can be as accurate as like 5% error. And that would be even large in some scales. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of like personally thinking about it as, as I know as myself, like most of the time, if I'm going to get something from do it one time and then over time it changes and maybe I learn some new information or something, my idea or decision might change as I think in AI and the, it's processing power or the information or the data it is getting, it isn't going to most likely it's not going to learn new knowledge to that subject. That's going to change its decision um, in that time frame. It's possible, but it's going to give you those consistent results. And I think that also kind of leads into where um, AI in the job field where people are talking about, Oh, there's going to be all these robots that's going to take all our jobs. Well, I mean, yes, to a certain extent, like if you're streamlining, like you're sending cold emails as your job or you're opening a box and, taping the box or whatever that made something that's streamlined and you know can be automated already it just hasn't um it's something to be worried about and i think as the human race or as humans or as people this should be an idea to diversify and um expand your skill set to something that is more valuable than cold emailing someone or cold emailing every business every day to hopefully get a result to maybe diversifying yourself into bringing something that 
creates a relationship or is that middleman that's doing multiple things that is hard for AI to initially come out and to say, oh, we don't need this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the most like prevalent thing of that is service. So when you have a waiter or something, and I mean, granted, delivering food, taking an order, it sounds like something that could be really automated, but there is a definite human interaction part about that that uh, would be lost if replaced with a hu- or a computer of some sort. And I I kind of want to paint the picture of taking AI taking your job is not something that's going to be happening anytime in the next year or two, or even I would say five years, just because dealing with this stuff and like having some sort of background in artificial intelligence and messing around and creating my own networks of some sorts. Um, a neural network is basically the way I'd like to put it is it's like a key. So this key only opens one door or one problem, so to speak. So for instance, if um, you or I created a neural network that, and this is real life, I created a neural network. It wasn't a very good one, a convolutional neural network that looked at numbers, a picture of a number and then said, oh, okay, that looks, that's a seven. And if I was to put that convolutional neural network and ask it, hey, is that a picture of a duck or a flower? It would not be trained for that data and wouldn't do it well. So, I mean, with these neural networks, they're, are, they're very powerful and potent, although they're, you know, a, a one-door key type thing for right now for the most part. Whatever happened to um, you working on your project for, like, telling you the weather and all that chance when you ride your motorcycle. Oh, so that was, that was not as much AI, but it was a little bit more, uh, fuzzy logic. Um, basically what I did is, um, I created this application that, uh, was kind of a web crawler and scraper, which went on the web and I told it to go to this specific site and then pull what the weather was like. And I got it working and everything. Um, uh, but at the same time, like there's variability in that. And um, I kind of switched gears a little bit and then got kind of wrapped up in uh, natural language and to understand like the human language. And I was like, wow, this stuff is really cool. But wasn't your, but going send me back to that. What I remember we talked about one point that you kind of wanted to work on your own kind of Jarvis. So Jarvis is from Iron Man, like his kind of network or his system. Um, have you just kind of put that on hold or are you still kind of interested in it? Uh, no, I'm definitely interested in it. Uh, the thing that I was, uh, the last part, part I left off on before I had to start studying really hard for a test that I was taking was I got to the point of, uh, I, so I dove in on natural language and what I was planning on doing is creating this natural language model, for instance, to say, okay, so this person, like the input was X, Y, and Z. Uh, hot keywords in this were um, weather or music. And then right after he said music, he said, let's say outcast or something. So I got to the point of being able to compare certain words, like for instance, like there's a 67% likeness between the two words king and queen 
or cat and leopard or whatever. Um, and what I was going to do basically is to make it an offline thing as far as like not having to go to a server and like send the audio data and then get sent back the results. But that takes that like really narrows your margin of like learning down. Yeah. So, um, what is your, if you could design or have in your life, what would be a piece of artificial intelligence you'd like to have? Oh, well, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, one that does my job. (laughs) (laughs) So if I could have a, uh, piece of artificial intelligence that did my job, and then I was a man that had eight more hours a day, then I think that would be the most powerful thing in the world. Just because I I don't put, I mean, nothing is more valuable. No resource for me is more valuable than my time. And AI would free up my time, so to speak. Yeah, that makes sense. I think Mm -hmm. I would go somewhere along the lines of, um, in terms of marketing, being able to, um, pull together all these trends and kind of evaluate the knowledge and then compile it and kind of give me different insights on what is happening just by, you know, kind of doing it on its own and figure out what's next, what's five years down the line, what's seven years down the line. That way I'm a step ahead of the game and not finding out, you know, four months, a year in advance. I think it would be a pretty cool, useful tactic for AI. Yeah, to get the best feel of what's happening right now and like what's moving and what's growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Um, and then AI stems into something a little bit more of what people are kind of afraid of is machine learning. And machine learning, I have a definition, is an application of artificial intelligence that provides systems the ability to automatically learn and improve from experience without being explicitly programmed. Machine learning focuses on the development of computer programs that can access data and use it to learn for themselves. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, it's the dual edged sword. I mean, people, there's, there's understandably, I can understand these people's fear of it, but at the same time, it's, it's so liberating. And that's the thing that, created AlphaGo Zero and AlphaGo. And um, even now what they're doing in DeepMind is uh, doing meta-learning. And what meta-learning is is basically learning to learn to the fact of we want to learn how we should make this machine learn this or even the machines asking this question and figuring out by themselves and there's a few there's a few things about learning or machine learning that uh, has its bottlenecks, but I mean, you think about a adversarial adversarial neural network is a type of neural network that basically what you do is you pit two machines against each other. So there was a specific uh, experiment or uh, lab done where. This person created two or an adversarial neural network and one machine's job was to create a fake picture and the other machine's job was to tell if that picture was fake or not. And so together, like after many, many iterations, they got very, very good at one machine was really, really good at 
creating a fake picture and one machine was really really good at seeing if that picture was fake or if it was an actual real picture and i think with that example it shows kind of the similarity of machine learning to the human learning experience as you grow um, you'll learn sentence structure and then you'll learn okay i wrote the sentence but this isn't correct like this needs a comma this needs a period and then as you go on you learn different words um, that's kind of what from that example is what machine learning would be like one system starts out painting a fake picture and goes okay this looks pretty fake another one goes hmm that one could be fake then the next one next time it makes the same fake picture goes you know this would be a little bit better to make it a little look a little bit more realistic and then next time the next ai goes that one looks closer but i can still tell it's fake and so on and so forth so it's very similar to the human learning experience just not a human yeah and there's there's a there's a lot of math when it comes to uh, machine learning and the fact of what it does is and i can tell you i can break down in the math because i've done this and like created models before but it's called uh, a really popular one is gradient descent so if you guys can imagine like a a bull there so there's this bull looking thing and it's in a graph and so there's x y and z coordinates and three-dimensional and so basically what you want to do with gradient descent is you let's say you're at the very tip of the bull and you have a high error rate basically what this thing does is let's say that um so for instance in my specific case let's say the number my machine my convolutional neural network saw the letter or the number seven and it guessed it was a two so it starts at this error point and then gradually uh, at specific steps it'll go down to the lowest error point possible and that's a big part of machine learning is you're not specifically telling how the machine like all right so you want to know that this is a seven because of x y and z but it learns off the point of okay i got this wrong let me change my formulas and algorithms uh and take a step closer to the right number mm, exactly and I, I mean machine learning is the one that you kind of see um, in movies or sci-fi or people talking about oh you know artificial intelligence robots taking over the world and you know acting in their interests which is possible i don't know what the extent of machine learning is it could go on way beyond what i could possibly think of um, and I think that brings up where some of the cons of artificial intelligence could be, or our perception is, uh, what are some of the cons you believe would come out of artificial intelligence? Well, just the general social unrest when this is getting heavily adopted is, uh, I mean, it's a big con because in an anxious society, people, and maybe this is more familiar to you than not, but people act in interesting ways and be somewhat quite uh turn almost feral to a point so having the unpredictability of ai and something that's a, a huge mover of daily life and changing of that you'll have the people that are anxious and become uh i don't know a little bit feral yeah yeah i could see him getting a little wild um, and I also think one of the cons is eventually, like I spoke on earlier, is like AI 
machine learning learns enough to, you know, act in its self-interest if it gets there. You know, it decides, mm, you know, the humans are great at their relationships, but at this point, we're pretty good ourselves. And like an example would be um, oxygen is really bad to electronic systems because of oxidation. So over time, artificial intelligence can, or machines or whatever we have at that time, this is probably hundreds of years down the line, or could just be like, hmm, we don't really like oxygen and we personally don't need it. So they find out a system or a structure or build on something that, you know, kind of slowly limits oxygen in turn hurting the human race. That's an interesting point. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, it's so unknown. It's kind of wild, but I always like to think of the coolest um, artificial intelligence as C-3PO. I don't know if you would agree with that or disagree, but I think if I had him mm. in my life. Or C-3P as a weenie. I go R2-D2 all day. Ah, I yeah, I guess R2-D2 is a, a <laughs> no, strong No, you can't suit. switch. No, but C-3PO is, I mean, look at him. He's just, just the man. So I think those are some references of artificial intelligence you've seen before. And, you know, they're fun and they're cool and they act in the human interest. Um, or even like Wally. Or something along those lines. Like you see these things, and it's potential that AI is like that. Or on the other side, you have like iRobot with Will Smith, where their robots are kicking butt, as I would say. Yeah. Um, with that too, I think the real point to take away from like if it's good or bad is. Well, at least for me, I'm, call me a reductionist, but I think about the actual components and parts. These machines will have a goal. And so, for instance, whatever their goal, whatever it takes to get to that goal is what they will do. And so it's up to us as the creators of these things. And granted, we're not perfect, so we can't think of every situation that would transpire. So we couldn't create these like long, vast lines of logic saying let's say if i had a computer or a robot that job sole purpose was to get me coffee and when it got me coffee its job was done so it, i told it to get me coffee and it gets me coffee and on the way i it sees a baby and obviously its only job is to get me coffee not move around the baby and so it hits <laughs> it hits this child and that's obviously not good. So there are some instances where we try our best and I'll put that line in to dodge a baby. But <laughs> I mean, it's just up to us as the creators of these things to create and responsibility, you know? Mm -hmm. So where do you think um, when it comes to robots mixed with AI, when that comes in down the line and what that will be like? Like robots hitting babies or, no, I, or getting coffee? No. Just walking around wearing a suit or something. A robot. Because um, I would assume they're going to make um, artificial intelligent robots that look like humans. And I know they have um, with like Sophia by Hansen, which is a, a robot that was on like Jimmy Kimmel and it's been in self-driving cars and it's giving like conferences. And like she's a social robot. So she processes visual emotional and conversation data and use that to create a relationship. So she sees what people look like, um, recognizes them through her software. If they're famous and gives them a name or, you know, goes with the name or, you know, 
sees that she says something and they think it's funny. So she feels it's a lighthearted conversation or it's serious or whatever it may be. I mean, that's a test right now, but I would like to see, you know, I would figure that they would look like humans in the future. So when do you think that would kind of start rolling in? So before I answer your question, I'm really curious about this uh, robot or android. Um, and you might not know this, but do you know if she passed, she could pass a touring test? Um, I think that's something they're working on. The Turing test, um, I have a definition for that as well, is like the machine ability to exhibit behavior equivalent to a human. And I mean, I don't know if she'll pass like a physical Turing test, but like if you, she, she was on Jimmy Kimmel and they had a conversation and played rock, paper, scissors and, you know, she showed emotional um, features in her. It was almost like kind of creepy. It was like a large doll, except for on the back half of her head, it was like a fishbowl full of like the mechanical components so it kind of stood out obviously but like she was having interaction smiling like kind of showing like um i guess showing that relationship was being built and listening to the crowd like oh the crowd is laughing like maybe i should host the show instead of you and lines like that where i think at like at first it's going to be a little weird but i think it would be she would be capable of creating a relationship in a healthy conversation i just don't know what the touring test involves and if that's expanding and what they're doing with that but it's possible gotcha and like a general and layman per example or explanation of the Turing test that i understand is if i was to have a conversation with this thing would i be able to tell that it wasn't human or would i be able to tell that it doesn't seem right if I was to just hold a conversation with it. And I mean, you could have a lot of social like skill or dexterity as a computer or an AI thing. But at the same time, there is, I feel like there's very, there's a very meta and sophisticated way that people converse and convey information and how that thing like digression and natural components of conversation that we don't think of because it's so natural. I think we would find it in uh, some realm of the uncanny Valley of being, I had a conversation with this thing and it's something just made me feel uneasy about it. You know, I think it's too with Sophie as an example, like her speech patterns a little bit slower for like processing information but I think it's due to where our technology is at at the moment and kind of it's new. So this one company is working on it and trying to figure it out. And I think over time that it's at a state right now that obviously, you know, it's a robot, like like, like people come out and like, Oh, it's Sophia the robot and this, this and that. But I feel if you were to put that on a phone call, put her on a phone call, it would be slightly tougher to tell. Oh, that, absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah. Cause you can't see the, the wires coming out of her head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to go back to your question, when we will see those type of robots, personally, I would not be too surprised if I didn't see them in my lifetime. I agree. And the fact of I wouldn't be able to see a android or some sort of robot walking amongst like everybody and me not being able to tell Mm -hmm. i think too for me the reason why i don't see it happening in our lifetime is these robots that will or can be walking around eventually are a huge investment 
time, money, um, all these various components. And I think in today's society with all the problems it still has in between whether it be conflicts of interest or, you know, judge judgment or opinion, when you bring in these walking robots that are smart and are like humans and are doing things more efficient, there's always going to be that guy that's mad because that robot is, you know, streamlined their job or something that is going to try to take out its anger on these robots. And I think it's going to take a lot of time to build that relationship between um, humans and that world to be acceptable in that society. Yeah. And I think it's really important to understand that this isn't just a like end all, no questions asked. This robot's taking a job, period. There, with the creation of these robots, there are many, many situations that can arise that might even be good. For instance, those workers that were doing this job have an opportunity to get into a higher skill job of being the engineers to maintain those robots. Or even a more interesting idea is universal wage and the fact that we have these machines doing so many different jobs that uh, we just get a universal wage for the work that they're doing, for instance. Yeah, which is a, another concept in itself. And um, I mean, it stems off of saying a bunch of people no longer need to work and they're happy with it. And you got to find out a way, a, a cost of living, and it goes through the whole world. Universal wage comes in. Um, I think with that being said, to kind of bring it all in, what are your final thoughts on artificial intelligence, machine learning, where it's at today, where it'll be, or just anything you want to share on it? Uh, I think that artificial intelligence is an extraordinary field. And I believe that, I mean, some people might have different ideas, but I think it'll be the next big thing, especially with like financial, um, you have deep or like deep learning or big data and you can see it's getting recognized in various fields. And I think that that in itself will provide a tool or utility to people to expand their abilities to which they didn't have the capabilities to beforehand. Yeah, I like that. How about yourself? Um, for me, I find artificial intelligence is should be fascinating to everyone. There are some people who know about it, some who don't. But there's so much unknown that it is crazy intriguing to myself to see where it goes and where it progresses in my lifetime. And it's something you should be aware of and be on top of. And in the end, it's it's I think it's going to be fun for the most part. Like if we do see it in our lifetime, it's just going to be kind of little things here and there that are going to make life a lot easier. And I think it's going to be fun if you're adapted to it and you can use it and create your own or work off your own. Um it's something that'll be awesome. And I do agree. I think it's coming. And I think C3, C3PO is the best artificial intelligence ever. <laughs> oh, wow. You would say that in your closing <laughs> argument. And uh, yeah, I think that that rounds it off for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like what you can take out of this is that this thing is growing and it's going to be here and it's going to be changing eventually the way that we do things in a, hopefully a great way. Um, without further ado though thanks for watching and RTD2 is the best I disagree thank you <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>